to another episode of James Bond and Friends. Uh, James Bond is still on assignment. I'm his fill-in host, James Page from MI6. And this week we have with us David Lee, Ben Williams. And if you're a new first-time listener, uh, where can everybody find you guys online? Um, this is David Lee here. I run the James Bond dossier, which is www.thejamesbonddossier.com. Uh, I'm also author of The Complete Guide to the Drinks of James Bond, and I'm currently uh, enjoying a rather nice rum and coke. Nice. Uh, hi, I'm Ben Williams. Um, I write for mi6hq.com and the sister magazine um, MI6 Confidential. Um, and you can find my my ramblings and writings there. All right, guys. So we have some Bond 25 developments. I wasn't going to say news. Uh, developments um, to cover this week. And then I thought we'd get on to some other bits and pieces. Um, but uh, first up, breaking news this morning as we're recording this on, on Friday, the, the 10th of May, is that Kerry Fukunaga posted on Instagram that Jamaica is done. And they are leaving the island today, which was 12 days of shooting, which is a lot less than the three weeks that were originally reported. Yeah, I, I was really surprised at uh, how fast it's been. Uh, I, I was certainly expecting them to be there another week or something. Yeah, and it looks like they've only shot in, um, in the north side of the island. Um, they haven't done anything anywhere else. Well, unless unless a lot of uh, what is supposed to be Jamaica is shot in the studio, I suppose. Right. I would think that that would be the, the case. I mean, you've got um, a lot. You know, you can get all your exteriors done, and you know, they generally kind of can come back and fill in in the studio later, I guess. Or, as we said on the last episode, they could be using Scotland for the Blue Mountains. So uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the other thing we learned this week was, you know, people who have been penciled in as potentially, you know, villains or, you know, working on the, the dark side, David Densick, uh, Billy Magnuson, um, Deli Vansela, who, you know, has martial arts training. So some people think he's going to be like the henchman in this movie. They were, they were all in Jamaica this week. Yeah, I, I, I think I think he's bound to be the henchman. Yeah, um, I, I think it's Thai boxing or something he does. They were all in this week, so... I, th I think there's going to be some action there, though. Uh, it's it's going to be a bit more than just Bond, uh, Bond boating and uh, right. looking back rum, I suppose. Oh, that's a shame. I was really hoping for a kind of just Bond spearfishing, doing some diving. There's, there's going to be action in this movie. That's a bit uh, that's a bit disappointing. <laughs> so the, the last shots we saw of seaplanes and the yachts and stuff being filmed off the north coast. Um, a couple of people who are out actually in Jamaica messaged us to say that they were letting off smoke machines um, so that you couldn't shoot across the you know across the bay at what they were filming. So they they basically obliqued the view of all the photogs the last few days, which is why we haven't seen any new photos in the press the last couple of days. Uh, I guess that's an interesting way of dealing with it. <laughs> I, I, for one, am quite happy about that. And I know that we all uh, are striving to get as much information as we can do. Um, but we, we, we spoke about this last week when we, we, we talked about how sometimes these things give away so much of the plot um, and, the, and, and the intrinsic sort of overall narrative that actually it's quite nice sometimes to be a little bit surprised when we get into the theatre. 
No, sure. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's it's good when they come up with these these ways of hiding uh, things, and uh, you know, with, with social media these days, and everyone's got a a smartphone. It, it's uh, it, it just be, it becomes very very difficult to keep things under wraps. And uh, yeah, if you can do something smart like this, it's it's quite funny. And I and I actually appreciate that. Um, and I know that you know, as I said before, we're very hungry for this you know, more and more information. Um, but I, I think there is something to be said for, you know, going in a little bit blind on, on these things. Well, the other thing that popped out this week was Kerry Fukunaga posted an Instagram photo of a nightclub scene. And, you know, is that going to be in the movie? Because I didn't see any equipment visible in the shot. Or is that just them having a great night? Is it just them having a great night out in Jamaica? It, it, it definitely was a nightclub, was it? I, I wasn't clear what it was. Uh, just to me, the way it looked it like a, a corner shop or yeah. something like that. No, it's a night, nightclub. Yeah. Sorry. Is it? <laughs> yeah. That, that means it's a Dr. No remake. <laughs> yeah. So look, stand by for another seven uh, tracks of Jump Up remakes. That's right. Um, oh, fantastic. As long as they don't bring Monty Norman back. <laughs> Sorry, Monty. So I wonder if we're gonna see I wonder if we're gonna see Station J in this mm. film. Strangways too. Do you think Some he'll be Yeah, he'll be invited to You know the Quantum of Solace short story, he'll be invited to some boring dinner party and um you know, except we won't we won't go off into a, a segue for a, for a completely different narrative. You'll just be sitting there going, "God, this is boring." <laughs> Speaking of the governor, how about this? That um, the breakdown in the relationship between James um, and, and Madeline is is basically the, a, a reflection of the breakdown of the relationship uh, from Quantum and Solace, and they've separated the flat out. Or the, the beach house out into different zones. Well, it reminds me of that um, episode uh, of um, Steptoe and Son where they, they paint a line down the middle of the house. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the desk goes back and forth. Right. I think you've lost, you've lost all American listeners now. Well, that would be um, <laughs> Sanford and Sons in the US. <laughs> Because they remade it. Yeah, and it can be it can, it can be Fleming's little kind of corner desk that they they kind of try to fight over. Yeah, he he can only he can only type letters with qwerty asdfg zxcvb. So yeah, yeah. Adult. <laughs> that was that was my impression. <laughs> so we we know it we know Italy's not going to start until August. So they've got a lot of studio time. Yeah, between but, now and then. But I, I, I was also thinking that they're doing five weeks or they're due to do five weeks in Italy. And if that's for the pre-titled... Mostly second unit. Is it? Okay, mostly second unit. Okay. Is there a possibility that they can, they can sort of double up on this and kind of do a bit of like the pre-titled sequence there and then come back to Italy as a secondary kind of... I don't know. Well, what, what, just how, it, how it normally kicks off is they do some, you know, build the sets in Pinewood, shoot on them, and then they go off to a location. And whilst they're off on location, they strike the sets and build a new round of sets, right, on the stages. Um, they seem right, to be right. doing this the wrong way around. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that, you know, they, they started building sets when Boyle was still on board. So who knows what they finished, you know, and kept to be wheeled out. I was just going to say it's an interesting point because – Obviously, that's a that's a substantial dollar investment on on creating a set for a a script. When they're rewriting, do they look at what they've already invested in the script and the, and the sets that they've already made and say, oh. 
how are we going to incorporate that? We've in? done so many interviews with people who worked in the movies over the years that yes, the the set pieces and the, the locations and some of the sets are already locked in and they have to write around it. That's just how it is. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, that's that's going to create a very different beast of uh, to, to what. It doesn't give you the free the free rain rain that you might have wanted. No, yeah, absolutely. That's how, that's how you end up with a, a ski scene in the middle of Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> he goes into his he goes into his Jamaican place and it's a, and it's a ski lodge. Well, that's how you end that's how you end up having to leave the ice palace and then go back to the ice palace, right? I mean, that's no seriously. Yeah. I mean, that's that was some of the changes that made, and it it broke the Bond conventions, right? Of never going back to the same place. Yeah. And, and that happens. So, yeah, but you know, yeah, we've talked about this previously yeah. that sometimes creative constraints actually lead to better output. So, absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. it's yeah. We'll see. So, did anybody have any thoughts about the few seconds that Naomi Harris and Phoebe Waller-Bridge talked about one twenty-five this week? Yeah. The, the 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 only the only thing I, I'd say about that is that. Um, if the script is an, in a constant state of flux, um, and she, uh, I think she says she hasn't, uh, she's only seen the pages that are related to her. She hasn't seen a whole yeah. script. How would she actually know that? Because everybody's talking to each other about it, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were all maybe, in Jamaica maybe. a couple of weeks ago. You know. Yeah, but they always say this. Like every single time. It's like, you know, nineteen ninety. Five, it's like oh, it's a sexist misogynist dinosaur. And, yeah, that, that, know, that's actually a, that's a, a really good point, actually. Yeah, because um, every Bond girl, they they say, oh, it's going to be different this time. Yeah, I'm more Bonds equal than anything else, and I, I think you you know keep hearing that rolled out, um, but it but it never really manifests into anything other than what it actually what it actually has always been. Yeah. Um, there was there's actually one other thing about the uh, Phoebe Waller. What's her name? Is that uh, I noticed that she referred to the Bond girls as Bond girls, not Bond women, which right. uh, uh, many, uh, many and, and, and you referred to her as uh, as Waller. What's her name? Waller. What's so her name? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that that evens up the score. <laughs> Basically, um, nobody I know can remember her name, even yeah. though it's it's relatively straightforward. Every time, um, every time I write it, I I have to go back and correct it. I I um, I get the the Phoebe Waller bit, but then I can't remember what the the second bit of her surname is. If only there was a, a, a kind of a, a bridge between the two of them that could <laughs> facilitate. Oh, that. is it bridge? <laughs> Phoebe Waller Bridge. <laughs> Okay, maybe maybe it'll stick now. Thank you. Sorry. No, no, no. no I, 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 it's, um, I'm I'm really bad with names, uh, and uh, I've been trying to get it to stick, and I just can't. It's it's interesting though. I believe it is what. I, I, this is just a random thing, but I I believe it is one of those names names that is actually quite difficult to remember and just to lock in. Um, but. On topic, um, I think it is quite interesting that um, her, that she's she's stated that her specific job is to kind of round out those female characters, and um, given given her um, experience with doing that and creating very 
believable, real, and funny um, female characters. I think it's going to yeah. add some dimension. I, 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 I think this is important because Inspector, one of the criticisms about um, the relationship between Bond and Madeline was that uh, uh, that it was it wasn't really believable, and uh, to me, I, I think it, a lot of it was to do with pacing. That it, it felt very rushed. Um, but uh, and, and for me, it makes sense that they, they would get somebody in to really concentrate on the female characters because I, I think the writing for for the females um, in a lot of the recent films yeah, isn't very good at all, and it could do with a bit of um, a bit of a, a rewrite. For, by a female to, to get the characters I, right. I, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, you, one of the, the, the big selling points of, of this particular film is that Bond has retired with Madeline and you've got to really feel that that would be, that relationship would be strong enough and real enough for him to make that kind of intrinsic personal sacrifice to give up the thing that kind of, is it is no, it a personal is it a personal sacrifice going back to the Fleming character who despises his job at times? He does despise it at times, but there, there I would argue that there that he has a great sense of duty mm-hmm. um, to the point where he will literally lay his own life on the line for it. Right. And that is true. That, that's a huge aspect of of who Bond is. I mean, you look at Moonraker when uh, Drax in, in the novels, I should say, he he. Um, he, he literally says, I'm going to just stand under this, uh, this rocket with a cigarette and blow myself right. up. You know, that's how committed he is to, um, to, to, to the loyalty of, of, of his job. And it, I, I think it is intrinsically a part of his character. So to, to make that sacrifice, even though he is often retiring and quitting and all of the rest of it and going rogue, um, it still has to be quite a sacrifice and you have to believe that he would he would sacrifice this aspect of himself for this character i i just had a random thought we're talking about like bond being off active duty maybe he's running station j ah yes it it could be that well i don't know i mean the only time he's ever done anything kind of remotely like that um would be in uh the only live twice novel Where you know he's so broken after the the, the uh, spoiler alert the death of Tracy. Oh um, no! De- <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, but he, you know, he's he's there. He's he's sitting in sitting in the park. He's got three day growth, and you know, two hours into his lunch break, and. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually wondering something similar um, because, they, I mean, one of the things they were talking about, or one of the things we were talking about rather, in a previous episode was whether um, that there was, somebody else would have the 007 designation and uh, in which case Bond might turn out to have 7777, which he had in UNF yes. twice. Right. Yeah, which is what I was, I, was, I was thinking about the other day, actually. It was just like... Ordinarily, this whenever they floated this whole notion of it being, you know, uh, a code name and a, and, a, and a number that just goes with any individual, I've always cited the fact that they have shared experience, they have shared life, so they can't you can't call it a, 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 just a, a moniker. But with in Craig's sense, that you could do that, could potentially do that because it is a rewritten character. Um, 
So I don't know. And and have him retire with seven 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 seven. Quadruple seven. But, you know, the, the double yeah. section does have a turnover, right? So poor Bill Fairbanks, you know. But um, <laughs> so I just wondered, though, if, if like US professional sports teams, if you have like a rock star player, do you retire his number? So does MI6 like, oh, yeah, James Bond is out. So, you know, you're the next 007. It's like, really? Do you want to be that? Do you want to be that person that takes that number on? No, they get into kind of recurring numbers, you know, decimals just go all the way down the, the back of their jersey. <laughs> or you, you could add, add a, an, um, a letter as well. It could be 11A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, would, that would be an interesting thing. I, one of the things I, I kind of did want to, want to talk about one point is this the kind of notion of the Bond multiverse and how continuity works within, within each incarnation of uh, a bond but that's for, probably for another time but um certainly in in this instance you've got bond um potentially in a semi-retirement i mean has he completely quit is he as, oh. as james suggests in some kind of well, the, the, the quote still? from i think barbara broccoli was he's not on active duty and that i'm you know the more I, the more i think about it the more i'm kind of like it would be a nice touch to have him running station J as a kind of temporary assignment to have a break, but um, we'll see. But going back to the novels. Um, I, I and he's using, he's using a code name, John Strangways. Yeah, we could loop back around, right? Um, but going back to the novels, I mean, it reminded me of, um, well, I, I don't know, this is probably where the Sandbaggers got it from. It's a cult UK show about, it's a bit more down to earth. Um, espionage and in fact in the first episode they say you know this is not james bond uh it's a line of dialogue but they they have like a couple of agents sharing an office for their paperwork with the secretary and in and in mm. moonraker it's in moonraker it's 007 008 0011 right they're the three mm. guys that share the same office yeah. so i know they don't i quite like the way they've got they said it's not it's not like james bond but we're basically going to just do exactly what happens in the world right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, based on the novel. Just, just, yeah, just steal that yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah, right. So I don't know if MI six is going to have like a WeWork office now, where it's <laughs> just a hot desk. Hot desking. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, MI six is gone. The building is gone now, right? Yeah. Where are they now? They're in the. They're, they're probably on Whitehall in a, in an old, the old Whitehall kind of uh, classic. So, but potentially they are in, in C's. Uh, in C's building, I guess that could work. But or, no, I just, you know, Purvis and Wade introduced it. The world is not enough. MI six is insecure, so they go to Scotland. Oh, mm. there we go. So we've had we've had however many changes of headquarters in however many films. I don't know if someone's going to pull the numbers on this, but it just does uh, does feel like can we just get a place of permanence? You know. Um, because I think we'd like that. We'd like that. One of the nice touches at the end um, of uh, Skyfall was, you know, having that return to familiarity of, uh, of that environment. Yeah. I, I, so are we going? Are we, we going to have that continuing? Or, but they, or? they can't go back to the the real MI6 HQ, can they? Can they? Maybe they can. No. 
Well, it's been it's been five years. They could have rebuilt it. Well, no, it's the UK. It's the UK government. They'd still be arguing about it. We just have a shot of somebody putting the last stone into place and just wiping it down. It's like I, I know. What about MI six could move into the old uh, US uh, uh, <laughs> embassy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did. I did my uh, visa stuff there when mm. I left. When I immigrated, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. It's just going to be some generic Whitehall plaque, mm. and uh, you know, a reflection of a double decker bus going by. So, yeah. or a Boris <laughs> bus or something. They, the, the new route. They, they could yeah. put a tent up in Regent's Park or something, and uh, just have that as the temporary HQ. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting crazy. You know, I think they need to move to Relay Effect to Bristol. It's, uh, it's where, where they need to go. The Manchester BBC. Well, Bristol's Bristol's the up and coming city to live in now. I used to live in Bristol. Or or Ireland, because uh, property prices are better over there. That's true. (laughs) Let's let's just locate the whole thing over there. Yeah, they could put it right on the border just to like not affect anybody's morale. (laughs) I'm really, I'm really glad that this this is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe maybe almost it gets with the 21st century. It's a work from home organization. Ah, good point. Yeah, yeah. Well, didn't didn't um, didn't Q say something along the lines of "I can do more damage in my pajamas yes. with a cup of tea"? Well, maybe that's all he does now. Maybe just maybe they're just like have a laptop, have a have a cup of Earl Grey. That's basically it. You're not coming into work. You stay home with the cats. Stay home with the cats. Yeah. Somebody so did. Somebody, okay, did okay. somebody did notice the, with a screen grab of. Um, Spectre that there is a cat bed in in the background of his lab. Oh, I, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, but um, th- thinking ahead to uh, Bond twenty six because uh, well, it depends what you're going to tell us later, but uh, presumably they'll have to reboot after after uh, Craig leaves. Um, mm. So that means they can reboot reboot the MI six HQ as well. Yeah, they could. Oh, but that that's great. That's just what we need is another my six HQ. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for it. I'm really looking forward to it. And, and as far as speculation goes, I mean, it's kind of just wide open to do a lot of different things after Craig goes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was having a conversation um, just just uh, this morning actually with somebody regarding really, really sort of the, the, the relevance of. Uh, bond in, in, in today's world and as we move on to kind of um, Bond 26 territory as you say we're going to be getting into um, quite far down the line in um, between kind of like this anachronistic character being kind of shoehorned into a, a very modern world and how, how effective we can, effectively we can do that the, the big problem with doing, and I know we've touched on this in the past, but from a business angle, the big problem with setting Bond as a period piece is you lose a lot of ability to do product placement. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, dine of the day numbers were equivalent to the budget, right? Yeah, but then you could kind of do a kind of a, a Sterling Archer thing right. where you, you, you're making a period piece, but he's got like, you know, a laptop or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
just just crazy yeah. kind of like sixties mashup. Yeah, because uh, I, I mean, yeah. uh, we 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 had we had this conversation in one of the early episodes, and I think it was Mark and Calvin were on, and because I I, I, um, I, I I don't really have a firm view on whether it would be a good idea or not, but I, I think it's an interesting uh, thing to explore whether if it moves to TV. Uh, in particular Netflix or somebody, whether um, they should do Bond as a period piece because then you, you lose the mobile phones and, and stuff, which yeah. uh, immediately makes it uh, much you know much more interesting because he, they, he can't get out of uh, every situation just by making a, a phone call or, or or sending a text message. Hmm. Well, this this is a this, this I, is a very I, good point. I, I, I like your idea, Ben, of a, an archer star where you, it, the style and fashions and locations are of the '60s, but it's modern day tech. I think that would be. Yeah. It'd be like no, thund- think, it'd be I like think, it'd be like Thunderbirds. Yeah, I love it. Um, I think one of the, the, the really interesting things that you, you just brought up was the fact that um, you have to explain a lot of this stuff that even we kind of take for granted. You know, we, we, we kind of have a, a touchstone of, of, of some of this lower tech stuff, you know, because we can probably, I'm, I'm, I hate to speak for all of us here, but we, you know, we're, we're from a time where um, mobile phones didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas um, certain audience members um, are certainly uh, only born into that. You know, our, uh, our millennial audiences are going to really wonder what the hell a phone box is or, well, know, I mean, yeah, because I mean, I, recently I was out at a work thing and um, in a city, and I was meeting somebody, and, and they lost their phone the day before. They didn't have a phone, so we were talking to each other, and like, right, tomorrow we're going to meet here. If you run in late, then we'll fall back to this place, and then you can leave me a message here if you <laughs> if you can't make it. And it was like I, it felt like a nineteen sixties detective show where you had to call in a bar to say, "I'm now at the restaurant." Yeah, we used to do that as kids. We used to we used to get into one phone box and make a collect call to the phone box next to us, and then uh, you know just just have a conversation between each other and, <laughs> and um, uh, just let it let it rack up as as much as we could. Well, we thought that was hilarious. Look at like the plot of North by Northwest is entirely dependent on lack of electronic communications, right? Yeah, good point. <laughs> Right, but they're always chasing down, you know, he's either ahead or behind of the trail. And the whole thing starts with a misunderstanding about somebody picking up the phone, right? I mean, it's call for Mr. Kaplan. Call, phone call for Mr. Kaplan. Would, they, would they not just look at look at his LinkedIn profile and go, oh, that's him? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but but the, the big question is, how, how did oh, anybody that. ever meet anybody else pre-mobile phone? Oh, yeah. Nobody remembers Terminator 2, another movie. Yeah, the Terminator so 2 is another movie that would be very different if they could like check what Sarah Connor looked like on LinkedIn. I mean, that's just. Yeah, it just... <laughs> no, it, it, you're right. I mean, there's so so many narrative uh, devices, of, uh, you know, like are, are really dependent on on sort of technology and and also and also the the, the the characters as well. So it's not just it's not just like the actual tech, but how that tech informs a character. And that's and I think that's one of the interesting things about Bond is because he is a character that has been plucked from essentially the nineteen fifties and dropped into 
um, whatever decade we're in now, someone will have to remind me. Um, and the teenies, you know, he's, <laughs> the teenies. God, that sounds terrible. I don't want to be dropped into the teenies. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they're basically just kind of trying to take a person who has essentially isn't, isn't tech savvy at all and try to, and, and his whole world is now suddenly just technological. And, and also the, the other thing too, is like he was supposed to be sort of, well, with Q, the, the forefront of technology. And now this technology is ubiquitous and everybody has it. So how, what do they respond to that? Well, they strip it away from him. He's the man who doesn't have technology. The only the only thing is my, my phone does not have an ejector seat or machine guns. So uh, until it does that, I'm not going to be happy. They can explode, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think we've diverged from 125 news a little bit. <laughs> Hold the presses. This just in. I want full newspaper coverage. I want magazine stories. I want books. I want films. I want TV. I want radio. I want us on the air 24 hours a day. This is our moment. There's no news like bad news. For the benefit of our listeners um, who haven't been keeping tabs on the newspapers, a lot of the tabloids, we mentioned it last week, have been very negative about Bond 25, especially spreading stories that, you know, Craig's a drama queen and he's, you know, got all these demands and look at him, he's a loner, you know, even though they're setting up a shot and, um, and the script's a mess. And then here we go with Baz from the Daily Mail, who's usually been reliable, but I think his sources are somewhat weaker in this film than they have been in the past. And he's he's coming out with the same storyline. And I picked it up on Twitter today when somebody mentioned the word committee. Two people do not make a committee, right? So if Fukunaga is working with Phoebe Waller-Bridge on this, that is not a committee. But the word committee is very negative, and it just is to put a stain on it. Yeah, the when when I read it, uh, I immediately thought of uh, what we were talking about in the pre. I think it was the previous episode about. Uh, all the negative press and and uh, uh, Baz being uh, different in in that respect. But reading this, it it struck me that the tone has changed. It seems like that way. Yeah. It's just like so, everybody's got to be on the same hymn sheet of talking smack about this production. Well, negativity tends to sell, and you know it would be kind of full circle with Craig. I would love it if their attitude to this is, well, if everybody's going to talk smack about it, we're just going to buck, double down and make this really good, which is what they did for Casino Royale, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't think that Casino Royale was a success because everybody said it wasn't going to be. Um, and it was a nice surprise. I think it sharpened their focus and doubled the mm, and, and Yeah, maybe it did. But it'd be great to see some tabloid uh, headlines. Bond 25 is going perfectly. It's... Daniel Craig's a dream on set. This is going to be the best Bond film ever. Consider him slimed. Something else we can share is, you know, Phoebe Waller-Bridge started working on this in the beginning of the year. She wasn't starting working on it when the news came out last month. She's been on it for a while. She's been on it for quite a while. When, when things get out about the film, it doesn't necessarily mean that they just happened. They just came out. 
Yeah, and then there's also there's also a big difference between uh, rewriting scenes the night before they're shot and reworking, say, all the Italy scenes at the moment when they're not going to be shooting them until the summer. Yep, that's a good point. And I, I guess there's something else. I, I, I don't know when they finalised all the actors and so on, but um, perhaps you know part of it is adapting the dialogue to to fit the actual actors better. Yeah, speaking to your point of David about adapting the, the lines, I mean, yeah. I remember when Olga Kurilenko was cast in Quantum of Solace, they had to wedge in that her mother was a Russian dancer line to explain mm. right how how a Russian actress was working for the Bolivian Secret Service. <laughs> so you know, there, there, a few tweaks might have been done because mm. I don't think they were originally looking for a Cuban actress for this film originally. Mm. You know, well, they, they it was originally Russian. Mm -hmm. It was originally Russian, right? So they could have got. An American so they might they yeah. might have been they might have been yeah they could have got, yeah so they might have been tweaking some things along those lines you're absolutely right <laughs> wouldn't it be great if they actually got somebody whose nationality was correct for the part that they were playing <laughs> that would <be> quite nice <laughs> mm -hmm. but you know and but they've updated Bond's backstory in the Craig era to say he was born born in Berlin mm. right. Yeah, I remember that now. And but what the, I mean, the interesting thing about that but is technically he's German. Mm, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you you know, the, from the from the literary Bond's perspective, and and most of the films, he's not supposed to be English. He's he's British, definitely. Um, but yeah, um, he's also certainly in the books uh, very far away from the the archetypal Englishman. You know, he 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 uh, uh, hates tea. He doesn't like tying right. shoelaces up, and he's an absolute ass when he goes to um, blades. Um, you know, he's he's not he's not this suave, sophisticated he's person. He's not an, he's not an establishment guy. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, in fact, the, the the blade sequence in Moonraker actually is a really good example because uh, in that Fleming describes uh, Bond as standing out from the crowd. He, he doesn't look like your your, your standard. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. Lunar. He doesn't. He's got yeah. for a start. He's got a short sleeve shirt under underneath his suit. Uh, he's he's well. He's got a tan, and that sets him apart. But he also he's been invited as a guest. To, to his boss's club, he does drug. He does drugs at the table. Um, he then he as one, as one does. does. He, he yeah he put yeah so he orders the vodka and then they come over with it and he's like oh this is probably a bit shit so I'm gonna put some pepper in it and it's like yeah such to, a, to take the gasoline out of it yeah and and they're like oh okay this is just our best vodka but you know you do whatever you want to do. And, and yeah, but then he, and then I mean, he has a carafe of vodka, a bottle of champagne. I think he has a second yeah. bottle of champagne as well. And then his solution to the whole thing, his yeah, he's, he's he's on his. But then his solution to the whole thing of like Drax cheating is to cheat himself. So it's it's so he's like, yeah, you know, like um, you need to send a cheat to catch a cheat, sort of thing, but. But yeah, I, I do think that that's one of the things that kind of sets Bond apart is that he isn't, he's not even comfortable in his, his sort of own world. 
No, I, don't, I never sort of think of him as being typically English. So, um, learned a few things this week, which I think we should talk about um, before we do the big reveal. Um, one oh of them no, was, you've got to do it now. No, one of them was the reason, <laughs> the reason why they, they, they flubbed the title question um, on the reveal and didn't really have an explanation for it was that they, they did have a title the night before with a treatment of logo treatment and allegedly from our sources um the studio partners decided it wasn't quite strong enough and to hold off in case they come up with something better Mm. and it was pulled the night before the press conference Mm. and uh but do do you know what it was no Mm. no and it might still be that right as it as it feeling was it wasn't quite up to snuff it's just so. it's just no as opposed to doctor no professor no this hasn't quite hasn't quite finished his does anyone know yet. what the, the does anyone know what the uh, the title is no oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where did where did where did julius know get his doctorate from uh, i want to yeah anyway uh, and in what field uh, oh, I don't remember. Anyway, I, I've got the I've got the idea that he studied in the states, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, I, I so anyway, yeah. So they 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 had a title and decided not to use it, not to announce it. Yeah. So okay. In in time, we will find out whether it was the same one they originally, you know, they eventually come out with. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is where we break for a little dramatic music because. Um, a little scuttlebutt we found that something's gonna something has come to an end in the James Bond universe over the past few weeks this is the end and that sadly to much to the chagrin of myself and many people who do this podcast um there's gonna be no more Funko Pops oh no I, I looked so, yeah. up. I looked up the price of my Funko Pop. Um, now that that's uh, that deal is dead, it's still right. it's still sitting pretty at about seven pounds. So, yeah. um, so <laughs> do, do you think they listened to this podcast? And they, no, they, they just well, thought they, they thought that these guys are so influential that uh, we're just going to give it up. Yeah. Um, without going into. Too many details uh, to echo a line from Gregory Beam. We should just deal with nice people. How <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we just leave it there? Yeah. Or, or as uh, as Roger says, um, if you don't have anything nice to say about anybody, don't say it. Right. Mm. Right. Um, so yes, <laughs> we will not be seeing any more Funko Pops. No. I, yeah. I think it's. I think it's a great tragedy, um, and uh, we'll all just have to mourn mourn it in our own our own time and our own way we'll have to find a new target of crap bond merchandising though oh we will i'm sure there'll be some more oh yeah, throw us, oh, yeah um well throw a uh, stone not- <laughs> the uh the the um blue toweling onesie i think is being released next week so um right. there you go 
So we'll see what they come out with mm. for the movie release, but there won't be little plastic figures with big heads, mm. um, unfortunately. So they're not going to release it in LA? Anyway, sorry, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, goodbye Funko Pops. I enjoyed abusing you. Mm. Yes, it was. I was going to say it's short and sweet, yeah. but it wasn't. It was, a, it was just short. <laughs> short. Quit while you're ahead. Oh, last piece of business. What I wanted mm. to talk about was um, uh, it was been a recent trend through the Craig era of whenever Eon did any kind of announcement, that would be a rush. Well, not rush. Off pulled off the shelf press release from. Ian Fleming publications to get an oh by the way coverage in the press. Mm. Um, oh by the way, there's a new book coming out. Oh by the way, we've got a new author. Oh yeah. Um, this one, there's been nothing. Mm. Not not a squeak. Um, and in fact, even the radio play from that was on last week from BBC was not promoted at all. Um, usually we get like previews of the cast and stuff, but there's nothing. It just kind of it just kind of but appeared it, out of nowhere. I think in in Fleming publications and and. Uh, you know, communicating stuff it can be a bit hit and miss and they're, they're not very consistent i think can i can i throw my 10 cents into into this uh murky pool um having having spoken to a lot of the continuation novelists and and um, particularly uh, horowitz on the last couple um it takes a really long time to write these things um to you know, uh, especially with, with, with novelists of, of, of his caliber who, who have a lot of other things going on. Um, mm. It wasn't actually that long ago that the last book was released. Um, right. And that isn't really enough time to... No, to my, put- my point was they usually announce something kind of oblique like Project X or something. It's like, oh, there'll be a book in 2020 yeah. or, or something. Or yeah, yeah. Or, the, or the books will be released with new covers, and right, or the author will be whoever. Right, there's usually something. The most obvious thing would be to say that Anthony Horowitz is writing a third book, but he's just launching a TV series of um, Alex Ryder. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's that's where his focus has to be because that, that's that's worth the bucks to him. Yeah. Of course, of, of course, it is. Hmm. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, he, he he is a huge Bond fan. He's he's always been uh, clear about that, and uh, he, he took it for that. And I'm, I'm sure he took it because he was a Bond fan rather than for the money. Yeah, definitely. The the kind of the conversations that we were having with him after his first novel was was really that I've, I've done this one and this is what I'm going to do. Um, he had he he really expressed. Very, not not little interest. I mean, he was sort of like, well, it'd be cool to do another one, but really, it's you know, it's I, I'm done. Um, I'm really pleased that he did do um, uh, Forever in a Day or whatever it was called. But uh, <laughs> um, I mean, what what he's been very clever in doing, I think, is to root root the character in in the past and try to insert his adventures into the existing kind of timeline um, of, of Fleming. And, and, you know, there's very little window now for him to kind of put Bond in there. Um, and, and, and you know, because most of this stuff is – he's, he's kind of done Bond becoming Bond. Um, he's, he's done all of the 
the, the gaps, so to speak. Um, so there are probably not many places that you can kind of shoehorn another story in. Um, and one of the things that we have, though, is we've got young Bond, and then we've got a little bit of time of becoming Bond, and then we've got the first mission. And I think there's, there's not a great deal of meat on those, on those uh, kind of wartime bones, so to speak, I, I would imagine. Well, that's been done by the comic book series now. Yeah. So, so right. therefore, and, and then also you have to ask yourself um, what, what becomes canon. And, um, you know, as, as different novelists take on different parts of, uh, of Bond, uh, what, what do you have to kind of say that, well, that's, def- you know, that's definitely in the, t- the, the Fleming timeline um, and therefore right. it's, it's canonical. Well, I think you would. I think you would. Argue, I think you would argue that Horowitz is definitely in the Fleming timeline, right? Absolutely. But, yeah. um, but, the, but, the, the, but the thing is, uh, Ian Fleming was inconsistent about yes. his own timeline. So right. it's absolutely. Uh, but we interviewed Diva, but, Jeffrey Diva, and what a wonderful, lovely man. Mm. And he he basically said that he did the groundwork, setting up for a series for other people to take on. He rebooted all the characters. He set it in the timeline, everything. And then the IFP threw it all away. Yeah, unfortunately. And um, I was, again, I was discussing this just this morning. Um, my, my feeling about that, even though I gave it a very favorable review um, in our pages, um, and, it, and I did enjoy it, um, there were some seriously heavy product placement issues with that book. Um, you know, um, Bond enjoyed his comfortable Emirates chair in first class and <laughs> decided he would only ever fly Emirates in the future. Emirates, <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah, and then it's like Bond thrilled at the comfort of his Bentley GT Continental. Um, you know, and you just, all you can do is just, as you're reading that, just think, did you get a Bentley out of right. this, Jeffrey? Or a free trip on Emirates. Yeah, and it just, yeah, it just, it never kind of, it well, just. that was one of the, that's one of the criticisms of John Gardner's book where he said it in Disneyland and it sounded like he just lifted like three chapters straight from the Disney brochure <laughs> yeah. about Disneyland. I mean, it was, it was tantamount to like a, you know. Yeah. A little ad- advertor- advertorial. Advertorial, yeah. And that, and I have to say that's unfortunately what, um, carte blanche sort of felt like was, was, um, was, was sort of advertorial and um, there were sort of some nice elements to it and it was very definitely a, a, a diva kind of um, invention you know that kind of a character and, and his kind of plotting was very uh, intrinsically diva um, which I although I enjoyed it didn't feel necessarily was was properly bombed yeah I, I found the villain was uh was kind of misplaced in a Bond book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just didn't like the whole kind of, you think Bond's done this and this has happened, but it hasn't happened. Now, actually, this right. is And I just, you know, there's, there were just so many times that that could, can occur in a, in, a, in a novel before you just start going off, you know. Um, yeah, it's almost like the, dictor- the directorial trick of like, you know, the guy waves the flashlight at the screen. It turns into the moon. I mean, yeah. right between chapter breaks, it felt yeah. like everything had to have this misdirected transition to yeah, keep it, you read. It, you know? was, it was very much like um, 
to my mind, the Man from Uncle, the the, the latest film version of the Man from Uncle, where they they did uh, they kept telling you that this has happened, but actually, what's really happened is this. Um, and it's 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 a nice little trick to do to employ once or twice, but when you when you literally scatter on it through the through the novel, it just becomes I don't know, it just it's hard to invest. Wasn't one of them a helicopter that turned into a model helicopter? <laughs> well, there was, there was there was definitely a um, a rifle shot at Bond that turned into not a rifle shot at Bond. Like he substituted a bullet or something. I can't remember the exact thing because it's quite some time ago now. Yeah, that's like that's like the opening chapter, isn't it? And the, you know, there was just a few things where it's like uh, I don't know. It just it, it felt a bit Scooby Doo, and um, I don't know. And, and on, on top of which, the Bond doesn't smoke. Not that he should smoke necessarily, but. It was just it was just sort of stripping back this intrinsic character that Fleming created, and at least when you read um, even Sebastian Falks and that kind of very pastichey kind of um, prose that he was doing, at least you kind of felt like he was trying to emulate Fleming in doing that. Um, uh, there's 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 one bit of that book I I, I just uh, I. I he completely lost me, and it, it's Bond dives into uh, the—I think it's the sea—next to a boat to to have a look at the the, the boat, <laughs> and to before before going underwater, he exhales. And it's like, well, have you ever actually tried exhaling before uh, diving? It's uh, not going to do you very good. You oh, yeah. inhale, mm. and, and uh, I. I I, I, I don't know what it was just about that, but uh, it, it just the book completely lost me at that point. Yeah, I mean, there were there were a couple of things that lost me in, in that book, to be honest with you. And um, the, the, the the biggest one was really that I just felt like it was it was a bit of a sneer. Um, I felt like it, it it really just had a kind of a, a supercilious kind of sort of sneer about it, and I didn't like. Yeah, because well, I mean, there was the thing about you know uh, Fleming used to knock these books off in six weeks, and so that's how he did it as well. But the thing is, uh, Fleming didn't uh, no. knock them off in six weeks. He wrote the first draft in six weeks. Yeah, and which uh, is quite a different thing. And and also, he kind of he was passionate and enjoyed the the thing that he was writing. And okay, occasionally he would be a bit cynical, but. Um, it really felt uh, that folks considered himself above the subject matter, and yes, he I did. Think, and I think that that was a mistake on his part, um, because from whatever position you come from, and um, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't really turn your nose up at, um, at Fleming. Well, you know, it, it's it's a it's a particular type of writing. Um, no, I, 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 I agree completely. If 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 you don't buy into it, don't take the gig. And and I, I recognised what he was doing, and and it it genuinely felt like a very considered exercise in um, in writing. And I and I get that. And he he aped the style relatively um, well. But there's this thing called the uncanny valley. Yes. Know? Um, and it had that uncanny valley quality to it, where it was almost. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like say real. quality. 
Well, yeah, it had it had a feel to it that sort of was was approximating Fleming, but because it was just that little bit distant from it, it it felt alien and weird and uh, unsettling. I'd, I'd I'd say this to go back to the point of like Sebastian folks kind of phoning it in a little bit and trying to do the well I write two thousand words go for a swim and call it a day. Mm. Um, Anthony Horowitz said, you know, the only reason he came back to do the second book was because he came up with a killer first line for that book, and then he wanted to write the rest of the book, right? Mm. Which is 007 is dead was the first line. And he's like, I'm going to write the rest of the book. Sebastian Falk's first line: It was a wet night in Paris. <laughs> Just sets the it sets the tone for the whole attitude to that book. Yeah, but part of the the selling of this stuff is to kind of imply that they're just rolled off in Jamaica, right? You just you just it's part of the romance of the oh yeah, Ian goes to his holiday home and creates these perfect little you know stories in this in this tiny amount of time. But obviously, that's that's marketing. In, in, for want of a better word, you know they're not. They're never. They never really were going to be created in that kind of time frame. And, and you, and and to to try to attempt a book in that time frame is, is to, to do it a, a disservice. You can't. You can't just rattle off something that easily. And if you feel that you can, you're probably not going to be putting the best quality work out. See Sebastian Fox. <laughs> it, it, it's like because. Um, the Casino Royale opens with the 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 send and and uh, yeah. send of sweat and well, how's it how's it go somebody and in I, I think the first version that Fleming wrote was something like the acid th- uh, thwack of yeah. something yeah. It, it was nauseating at three in the morning it, and you know it's uh, um it, it's yeah but he did he his first version was it was raining in Paris right? no the first, the first the first version was it was the darkest stormy night in Paris. Uh, right. <laughs> um, to bring this full circle, I was just going to say I think um, maybe IFP are just doing doing a Barbara Broccoli and hanging out and hoping that their favoured person wants to do another one. So we'll just wait. Yeah, it's, it's to be honest, let me let me ask you this, guys. I and mean, I know we're probably short of time and everything, but how many other novelists do you really think are of the right caliber, the right temperament to do this? I can't. He's always been my preferred novelist to do this. Um, I'm glad that he's done it. I hope that he continues to do it. A lot of the well, more well-known thriller writers who have their own series and everything, it would be James Bond in one of their books. Yeah. It wouldn't be a James Bond book, which is a bit like carte blanche, right? It's a Jeffrey Deaver adventure with James yeah, Bond. Yeah, but it's exactly yeah. what that is. And, and I, I genuinely feel that Horowitz understands... The character, but he also understands Fleming and how to create the structure. Yeah, that whole world, he does it so perfectly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd wait a couple of years for another one rather than get something happily, that we don't like. Happily, happily. Yeah. yeah. As a yeah. Bond fan, right. we're getting used to waiting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. On that note, we'll, we'll wrap it up, guys. Thanks very much for being with us this week, and we will meet again soon to talk more about Bond and Blind Alley's cul-de-sacs and off-topic stuff, which is not ever part of the plan. So thanks very much. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Good talking to you all. Thanks. 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 Thanks.